Welcome to the Break New Ground podcast. My name is Luis Prado, aka B-Boyle Prod, and we are back. We are back after a hiatus. I'm pretty sure it's been six months, which is half a year. Not fair to anybody who's a consistent listener, but this podcast is all about breaking new ground. And I think having six months hiatus is, uh, is a pretty good way to do that for a podcast. Um, but not only that, we, we're returning not because we have to, but because we want to. And because we are bringing a very, very special guest. Um, I've, I've wanted to bring her on for such a long time. And our conflict of schedules, um, different life events have been the obstacles in us getting to this episode. But we're finally here. We're finally here and we're doing this. Um, this person is very special to the community that we're in. The San Diego Breaking community, I feel like, has found a really good hidden treasure in having this individual. Um, she wears many hats. She's someone who's very talented. And well, I mean, I can go ahead and do this introduction all day, but I just want to go ahead and get right to it. We want to welcome Kate, aka Educate, to the podcast. Kate, welcome. Thank you. You're going to make me blush with all the nice things that you're saying. <laughs> Well, I was just getting started, to be honest with you, because I am so like inspired by everything that you do, be, but not just because you do these things, but because of how you do it and how you carry yourself. And you're always someone that I've admired. You're someone that I've worked with before. And I think whenever we talk about like consistent community figures here in San Diego, you're a name that continues to pop up. And you've built a name for yourself in so many different avenues, but just to name a few, you are a teacher. You've taught breaking. Um, you are a journalist. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to disclose your place of employment, but you are a journalist and you're published and you're on the news sometimes. Um, you're out there. Not only that, you break. You represent the San Diego community very, very well. Um, you have a collective. I'm not sure if it's your collective, if you've started it, but we will get into that here in San Diego as well. And not only that, you are a DJ. You are a DJ and you have been associated with break-in events in the past. Force and Finesse one. And then Coast to Coast 2? Was it 2? I think so. It was I believe the, so. It was the Coast to Coast where there was the um, All Styles Choreo Hybrid Exhibition. Yes, yes. That was one of the more successful Coast to Coast events. That was a good one. That was a great one, actually. That was a fun um, But yeah. No, oh my God. I love the hats community off, so much. Hats off to you for putting on events like that. Because that's oh, thank you. something that we need need in san diego and and i'm always inspired by by the work that you're doing and and the way that your details come together in the events that you do so well no i appreciate that that. shine back the other direction (laughs) this is just a shine battle right here (laughs) throwing it back at each other um but like i said no you you are an integral part of the community and you know when i have conversations with people that aren't from san diego maybe more like up north la area orange county Whenever they talk about consistent figures, essentially people who run events, your name always pops up. You know, the, the Fatal Sting events, because they are their own brand here. They're not just competitions. There's always something special about them. And um, I feel like these events are special because they reflect the person who organized them. That's how I, you know, think of events. These events kind of reflect how the person thinks and approaches this community. So that's what we're here for. That's what we're here to talk about. But not only that, we have an array of topics to get to. But uh, I could talk about you all day. <laughs> I would prefer that you talk about yourself because you know yourself best. So for the people at home who may not know what you do, who is Educate? Who is Kate? And what do you do as an artist and maybe as an individual? Yeah. Um, so I'm a B-girl. Uh, this month is actually my 16-year anniversary of when I started breaking. 
16 years? 16 years ago. I started in February of 2005. Um, I went to a jam in Atlanta called Loose Screws. Um, Loose Screws. That's a good name. And that was, was, you know, like, I, I saw it. I saw what breaking, like, really, you know, like, what it really was. And I was like, I'm gonna do this. And I met met folks there who invited me to to practices, and that's you mm-hmm. know like so so yeah so long time B girl, um, and then I've been DJing since maybe 2012 or 13 I want to say, okay. mm-hmm. um, so that came later. Uh, okay. While I was living in Wisconsin, I started breaking when I was living in Atlanta. Um, oh, you've been everywhere. I've, I've, it, yeah. Well, originally from Atlanta, but I've, I've hopped around, done the, did the nomad thing through my twenties, hopping, <laughs> hopping to different places, and uh-huh. uh, really blessed to, to be feeling like I can actually put some roots down somewhere, and, and mm-hmm. having a beautiful place like San Diego with a, with a scene like we have and a community like we have, and, mm-hmm. and just such a. I know I, I, I love this, this city and, and the surrounding cities and just like you know san diego is such a dope place it it hurts my heart when i meet people who are from san diego who say they always say this thing they say san diego has no culture and i'm like whoa i'm like dude have you like what where do you go like culture (laughs) is like oozing out of every corner of san diego we have all the cultures everywhere if you like open your eyes like just a little bit like be a little bit curious about something like there's always so much going on and there's so many beautiful communities within our larger community to learn from and to and to celebrate with and so i love that about here um and the weather's nice too obviously (laughs) (laughs) i think that's Um, the biggest selling point about san diego the weather here is just the cherry on top and it never goes away it's sunny almost every week i want to say i don't think we've ever had like a really bad week of weather Right. Well, and that's, you know, especially after five years in the Midwest dealing with like snow and like things that are like a polar vortex for a couple winters in a row. Like this is like I did my time with the cold. I lived in Atlanta, did my time with the heat and the humidity. Like I've I've earned a moment in in this. And so I'm very, very happy to be and then here you were in Wisconsin. Yeah. The weather there Wisconsin must be like and Chicago. <laughs> oh, so your winters were like Brutal. plain. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so then, um, so then, uh, let's see, I'm still trying to introduce myself, I guess. I I do work as a journalist. (laughs) Like you said, I write for the San Diego Union Tribune. I'm their Mm -hmm. immigration reporter. Um, So that's sometimes a very heavy job, but a very rewarding job. you know, getting... And it's an important job because we are in San Diego. We're right next to the border. So these stories are very important and relevant to the people that live here. Exactly. You know, we are we are a border community with, with Tijuana and, and its, mm-hmm. its surroundings as well. And then, you know, we also like not just with the border, but um, we have a big Filipino community because of the connection with the military and the Philippines. Um, mm-hmm. We have actually a lot of a lot of different immigrant communities because we've been a hub for refugees since the 70s when uh, oh. when the people were being evacuated from Vietnam a lot of them were brought here to San Diego County originally too and so you know even now we have like four different refugee resettlement agencies here and so a lot a lot of people just end up being resettled here because we have the infrastructure for for doing that work um, so there's that kind of explains why we have such a like blended community, right? Because of these 
I mean, the city is, is, I guess, like you mentioned, like a hub for everything and everyone. And we're, we're fortunate to be that city where we have a big Filipino community, a big Vietnamese community, a big Mexican Hispanic community. So that's cool. I didn't know why. I didn't know why that was the case. So I'm glad that you're kind of providing some <laughs> insight to that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so that's that's um my day job and then um i still teach i have i have students that i've been maintaining over zoom through the pandemic um i used to teach at culture shock back when it was open mm. shout out to culture shock yes uh and i'm glad to see that they're figuring out how to revive themselves through the nonprofit mm-hmm. side of things that's that's really exciting and and uh you know i'm very hopeful that that because that's been such a community hub for so many oh, yeah. so i'm I'm hopeful to see them continue to to grow and and shine as as things, you know, calm down and and we're able to to be in physical spaces with each other <laughs> again. Um, but yeah, so those, I guess those are. I don't know what else I need to say to introduce myself. Um, Godista's crew. You do crew. capoeira. Oh, I do. Godista's crew. Well. Godista's crew. Yeah, um, that's the the main crew that I rep now. HBO crew is the crew that started me. Um, and then, yeah, I do capoeira as well. Um, in the capoeira world, I'm known as bananera. Um, Whoa, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Wait, say it one more time. Bananera. Whoa, is there a meaning behind that? Yeah, um, so it either means uh, banana tree or handstand. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, the, it's the name given to the move of a handstand, but then it, okay. it refers to a banana tree. Um, banana. And so... Yeah, there's because uh, when I started, I had already been breaking for so long. And so even mm, though I didn't okay. really know how to do any of the kicks, like I could hold a handstand for a long time. And so they were, oh, my, my teachers were like, whoa. So I ended up being called Bananera. Um, <laughs> <laughs> pretty funny. Um, that's a good name. That's a good name. I've never heard it before. So that's how you know it's a good name. Yeah. Well, there's there's a, no repeats out there. There's a beautiful, a beautiful song called Bananera as well that um, mm. I eventually it's 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 a little it's a little smooth but i want to see if there's a way that i could like flip it or remix it at some point to like drop it one day in my sets but i have to learn more about how to do that that's on my like while i'm hibernating during all of this to-do list (laughs) there's a lot of time to do stuff like that now and to learn how to pick those kind of skills up yeah um but i mean this is this has been a great intro point for what's to come because like we mentioned and like we've covered so far you do so much and you're very talented and like, it's not just that, it's how you do it. You know, I think a lot of the time when we think of community figures and people who we look up to, it's not so much necessarily what they do, but it's how they do it and how they carry themselves when they do it. So I'm really, really grateful to have you here to kind of get to pick your brain a little bit, just to see what the thought process is like behind everything you do. Um, and now that we've kind of rattled off all your titles and like <laughs> all the prestige and all the hats, uh, I guess I have to ask, just like naturally... There's got to be one that you prefer, right? Like, what is the favorite one? If you had to just pick one for the rest of your life, which one would it be? Oh, gosh, don't do that to me. (laughs) (laughs) There's got to be like, or I guess here's here's a better way to word that. If you had to pick uh, one to fully dedicate to someone, one thing that, I mean, you've done them all and through different phases of your life, but is there one that has brought you like the most joy, the most like, fulfilling feeling oh my gosh i think that's that's really hard to answer because i think they complement each other and Mm, it would be difficult to have one without the other you know there's um like 
you know, in my in my work life and in my journalism, like I feel this like really intense responsibility towards the idea mm -hmm. of journalism as public service and and giving of myself and my time and, and you know, putting myself in situations to be able to see things to, t to tell people about that they need to need to need to know and and you know sometimes mm -hmm. that can be a situation that that puts me at risk whether that's physical risk or emotional risk or mental risk or whatever right. it is you know um and so you know i would i i would never want to to give up providing that service because i i feel so strongly about doing that but mm -hmm. i could not do that if i did not have these other things in my life to provide balance and and provide healing because, you know, I, I have dealt with a lot of like secondary trauma, for example, through my work, you know, I've had right. That's very true. crazy, crazy nightmares about things that, you know, came up because, you know, I was interviewing somebody about something that happened to them. And this is, um, it's something that first responders also get a lot secondary trauma. So it's not like, like the trauma didn't happen to you, but you were there in, in very like intimate and immediate contact with the person mm -hmm. that it happened to. And it sort of like transfers. It's really wild how that happens. Um, <laughs> but it makes psychology. A lot of sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so like, like having breaking and having capoeira and having DJing, like those things are, are one, are one of the ways that I'm able to find balance in my life and to turn that part of me off for a second and, and, and disconnect from, all of the really intense experiences that I have in my work to be able to say, okay, like I can just, I can just like dance right now and do that, do that for me, you know, and not, mm -hmm. and not yeah. have to, not have to be always like in that really intense experience. And then DJing is like, for me, especially like, I don't know what it is, but I get injured a lot. Like that's like when I'm breaking and, the and injury doing bug, yeah. like that's that's plagued my entire like 16 year history in this scene. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I could I could name off so many just like really intense, intense things that probably happened because I uh, was pushing myself too hard and not taking good enough care of my body. So word of warning to all of you guys out there who are younger than me, like take care of yourselves now. <laughs> To Say avoid, it louder for the people in the back. <laughs> to avoid future problems, take care of yourselves now. Rest when you need to rest. Take days off. You don't have to throw yourself into the ground thirty times to figure out how to do right. a move. You know, Very like true. and those were those were mistakes that I made um, early on in my in my breaking career, and then um, were compounded by some unfortunate injuries that happened in Capoeira as well. Um, mm. And so what I love about DJing is that even if I'm injured, even if I can't move, <laughs> I can still participate. I can still like the safest hobby that you have. is DJing, <laughs> Right. And I love the thing that I love so much about DJing. And I think this ties back to the journalism, actually, is that moment when I transition to a new song and I watch mm -hmm. people's faces when they're like out around, you know, in the room that I'm DJing in. And I watch mm -hmm. as they start to hear what I've just put on. And there's this like moment of like, <gasps> like, you know, excitement or recognition or, or wonder at like, what is this? Or did she just right. like, is whoa. And, and that, that's like raw euphoria, like of that like transition. Just like, oh, I really like this song. Yeah. I, I love that you mentioned that. And yeah, to be that's able good. to give that, to be the service again, like that's giving that, like that. Right. 
that is magical to me. Like that's that's what I love most about DJing. Like all of the technical tricks are cool. I'm not the best at them. I will not pretend to be a master of like, you know, all the different kinds Scratch. of scratches or anything. Like yeah. I've that's something I've been working on during the pandemic to try to get better at, particularly. Mm-hmm. Um, and shout out to the Beat Junkies for their their DJ Academy and their online online lessons for all of that. That's been really so awesome. Great. But. Uh, but yeah, it's just those moments of like sharing music and being able to make that connection. Even if like, even if I never talk to that person at the at the event, like that that person may never speak to me, but I know right, <laughs> I saw that I had like that we connected in that, and that's really magical. Well, that's that's the beauty of music, right? It's like being able to communicate non-verbally through like the feel of the of the song. Like you can. You can communicate so much through just music and it shows in the expression, it shows in the body posture, like body language is everything when it comes to music. So I'm really glad that you mentioned that. But also just naturally, that was a great transition because (laughs) the next thing I was going to touch on was how do you like find the parallels between these activities? Because they are all they're all so unique. But at the end of the day, kind of like what you mentioned, there is a thread that I guess kind of connects and it's all kind of tied around the act of service. You do. I mean, not that. You, not that you breaking is a service, but like maybe it's a service service to yourself, right? <clears throat> and this kind of maybe ties into the theme of, of you as a community leader because you do do journalism, you you are a DJ, you do provide services in different ways. And I love that you mentioned that journalism is like a public service. That's really cool. I've never heard it mentioned that way. Um, so how does that all tie into you becoming a community leader? Because it's it's one thing to do these things and to have them as like a job, an occupation, to do it as a hobby, um, to, you know, get booked as a, as a DJ. But how does all of that tie into your desire to lead a community and provide um, opportunities, I guess, for people? Because you host events. Um, and maybe this is also a good segue to talking about San Diego B-Girl Sessions, because you do provide a space for B-Girls only to grow in the art of breaking, but also to connect and, I guess, have a platform. Because it's not only just sessions. You've hosted uh, events, but also fundraisers, had amazing tamales. I remember that. Those were really <laughs> good. Um, you've done a lot, and, and it's interesting to see how you have all these hats, but how did all of that lead to you being a leader, and how have you found that to be different from what you already do? Man, you have really good, really difficult questions. <laughs> I love it. I love I it. I was these ready. Are, I was ready. You are, you, I'm impressed. You, you definitely thought about this. Um, so I would say, first of all, I think even beyond this idea of service, the thing that connects all of these different things that I do for me is this sort of feeling of resonance and this feeling mm-hmm. of truth and, and realness, mm. this feeling that like I have found something that is real, you know, there's like a, that. there's a lot of, of fake experiences that we can have in our society there's a lot of sort of very like materialistic and oh i'm just gonna like buy a bigger thing and show it off right you know and like i've never been about that life and i've never been about that mentality and i i know like the thing that that first drew me to breaking was it was the first time that i felt like people were just being real with each other and just being real with me and accepting me sort of however I was and I at the time and and this is probably still true today I was this incredibly nerdy kid that like nobody wanted to hang out with in high school you know like I remember (laughs) like lunch 
times where I walked around the courtyard by myself eating because I didn't have anyone to sit with. You know, like that oh, was that my hits high so school. Heavy. Yeah. <laughs> and, that hits close to home. <laughs> and so I was, you know, like when I found breaking, like right towards the end of high school, it was like my last semester of high school that I, I found it. Uh, or it found me. I don't know, however you want to say it, you know. That's um, good, yeah. But it was it was real and it was true and it was very just this like very human connection and interaction that you just felt the like the truth in it and so i think that ties all these things together as well whether you're looking at djing and the music or whether you're looking at capoeira which i mean when we're talking about the roots of things like breaking comes from black culture in the united states yes capoeira comes from black culture in brazil it's all from the mm. African diaspora, right? Because capoeira as a martial art was something that the slaves or enslaved people, pardon me, enslaved people in mm-hmm. Brazil did um, in order to disguise the fact that they were doing a martial art. So it, it has music and it has songs and it has movements that make it look more like a dance. But it is, it is you know, it is a way of, of fighting somebody if you want to use it that way. Um, is it common still to fight someone in that style? Um, you can. There, is that more of an organized thing? I mean, there are people who who train in it as part of their MMA training who I've seen, mm. you know, throw kick, throw these kinds of kicks in that space. I've seen people, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, there's there's video game characters who do capoeira moves. Right. There's, yeah, very true. Uh, I forget which, which martial arts movie it was that had like a whole intense scene with this like capoeirista that the guy had to fight. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. I see it in your face. <laughs> it's that's tickling like a very weird part of my memory. Uh-huh. Like, yes, it's, it's a long, long time ago. But I remember, like, I and that was like way before I started training capoeira that that movie came out. So I'm not remembering now what it was, but I remember, you know. And so, so like, it can be that. But capoeira is also mm-hmm. this just like really beautiful like art and and communal space and and the way like the group that I practice with and the way that we practice like we don't we don't do it to like try and hurt each other you know like that's not the that's not the goal i've seen some not. i've seen some groups where it is kind of like you know oh. and, you know and that was part of how i ended up getting injured sort of being in the wrong mm. in the wrong space story and the wrong group <laughs> um but the group the group that i train with now shout out to Haises do brazil which is based out of santa cruz thank goodness for Ooh. you know being like silver linings of right now as i can train with them over zoom um, because they are not here. We're doing this over world. Zoom. So yeah, Zoom is saving everybody right now. Zoom is saving everybody. But so, um, I lost my train of thought. Where was I going with that? Shout out to the group again for letting you uh, train through Zoom. They're providing yes. that space for you. Yes, you found yes. them and they did not hurt you, thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, they're actually the original group that I trained with because they also have oh, okay. a school in Wisconsin, where, which is where I started Capoeira. Of all places. The, the needle thread is just the connecting all over is, the place. My journey has been been very windy, but very, you know, like... I, as I see I, the connections. Yes, the connections. Like, once you, like, look back at it, like, while it's all happening to you, you're like, what is going on? And then you look back and you're like, oh, you can that trace was what it. was going on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it starts to make a lot more sense. But uh, to circle back to your initial question, yeah, so all of these things are really, like, about about that like real connection of, of truth and that feeling mm-hmm. of like doing something that's real um and so that's my like personal motivation beyond this this 
desire to be like of service and 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 good to the community that is so good to me and mm -hmm. and to be you know uh, uh, a, a participant who gives and doesn't just take um, right I think that's that's really important to me and I that's something you know that I saw in people when I started like when I started in the Atlanta scene I had models for that kind of of acting in the scene um, and that continued when I went to Wisconsin, um, especially, you know, when I met my crewmates for, for Garistas, which is a crew that we, I, we started when I was living, living in Wisconsin. So um, they're based out of Wisconsin? We're kind of everywhere now. Um, mm, there's worldwide. One of us is still in Wisconsin. Some of us are in Chicago. Um, we have one member in Hong Kong. And then two Whoa. of us are here in San Diego. And so. Oh, um, right. Yeah. Can we shout him out? <laughs> yeah. So Jess, my best yeah, friend, shout out to Jess, Jess is here in San Diego. Shout out to her. So much love for her. She's like my rock through everything. Um, and I definitely like, I can't take credit for what I do by myself. Like she's, you know, like we co-founded San Diego B-Girl Sessions together. She is instrumental in, in anything and everything that you see happening, whether it's making the flyers for Fatal Sting or like, you know, being the clutch person that makes sure the fundraising gets done and and you know like she's i i cannot take credit without like giving even more credit to her like, shout out to jess i i didn't know that she was a co-founder so that's good that you put that out there and that she's yes. getting the credit that she deserves yes jess is a co-founder of san diego b-girl sessions um and then yeah so the other godistas um jade is in wisconsin uh right mm -hmm. now she was in north carolina for a while but now she's back in wisconsin um Delky is in hong kong Ooh. and then um in chicago we have ella katrina who is one of the people who inspires me most on this planet uh, when you want to talk about organizers and people who hold down for the community and people who point the community in the direction it needs to go in and show us how we should be carrying ourselves in the community like she is the best example I can ella see. katrina uh-huh that's then, high praise <laughs> yeah she's she's amazing and then we also have vital uh miss g and fabulous freddy and that's these are really cool names this is probably the crew with the coolest breaking names of all time it's not like stinky and sweaty no 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 these are cool names this <laughs> is very rare in the breaking scene some people have some <laughs> questionable names for sure but i like it garistas worldwide yeah. right now yeah. Man. Um, so this is you're you're touching on it. We're getting there because now <clears throat> we get to this point where you are co-founding San Diego B Girl Sessions as someone that's not initially from San Diego. So what put you in that position? And was there ever any like obstacles taking that position on and being essentially, I would say, the first of many uh, because um, you are creating the space exclusively for women? For women in the in the breaking community, women that want to learn, and that's, I mean, it's become a meme, I guess, at this point, where it's like, oh, a girl shows up to a session, everybody wants to teach her how to six step, and I mean, it's a meme, but there's a true, there's a little bit of truth to every meme, and that's that's what it is, right? And a lot of the times, women do not feel comfortable, they do not feel safe showing up to a session, where everybody and their best friend wants to crowd her, right? So. I want to ask you, because, you know, there's definitely a need and there's always been a need, but I want to ask you, how did you take the initiative for that idea and how did it all come to fruition? How did you find the people that were there? What was the origin story? Yeah. Um, so 
I guess I, again, I have to say like, I can, I can't really take credit for just like having this idea that like, Oh, we're going to have a, like a B roll session. Like I, I'm not the originator of that idea. And, uh, mm. you know, I, I'm the half of, you know, the team that implemented that here in San Diego. Um, when and I'm gonna I'm gonna rewind a little bit and then like come back forward. So yeah. when I started breaking in Atlanta, um, I was often the only girl at the practice and often the mm -hmm. only girl at the jams. Um, there were two B girls in another crew, um, but they had already like where they were at in their lives in that moment. They weren't really coming out to stuff, mm, um, okay. And so I didn't really see them. And then there was a B-girl in Tennessee who sometimes came down for jams. Mm -hmm. um, but the experience that I had back then, and I think this will resonate probably for a lot of, of B-girls who came up in that era, is that women at that time, B-girls at that time, were not um, really inclined to come together. We saw each mm. other as, as competition, and, and it was more of a territorial-like experience of like... Right. And, and anytime I was in a cypher and there was another B-girl in the cypher, like all of the guys would expect us to battle each other. And that would always make me really angry. And, and half the time I would end up calling out the guy who told me I should go battle her because I was like, I'm just going to call you out instead because this is stupid. Right. Like, yeah. you know, and that's, that's something like I've always said and part of my language, but having a vagina is not a style. Having a vagina is not a measurement for how we move like there are people who are footwork heads there are people who mm -hmm. have really dope top rock there are people who are power heads it doesn't matter what your like body anatomy is and right. so like you know i want to call out people who are gonna you know inspire me or help me measure myself in mm -hmm. in the things that i'm interested in doing and whether or not somebody happens to have a vagina is not the measure Right. And, and I don't think should be the measure. I think I think that separation tends to um, sort of belittle and diminish B girls and put us off to the side like a sideshow. Right. Um, I, and I don't like that. <laughs> I've never I can't really snap that. with my left hand, but I would be snapping right now because <laughs> you're preaching. Um, but no, that's very true. You're very you're, you're like yeah. you're speaking facts right now, as they say. But here here's um. Not and, to deter from your story, but this is yeah. like a quick side note. Um, so as you as you mentioned this, when it comes to because I, you know, 16 years ago, that was before I started breaking. So I guess I kind of came in more towards like a transition period, but still very uh, male focused. I would say that's how breaking has been for a very long time. Maybe now is when we're it starting still to is. a little bit more. Rip yeah, for the <laughs> most part. Um, but I think there's more um, not investment, but there's more of an effort being put out there to create more equal playing field, more equal community. It's still not where it should be. It's still not where it should be. But I'm seeing a lot more of like uh, people all being treated on the same plane. However, if you look on Instagram comments and in some people's comment sections, you see the most ignorant things. But that is, that is besides the point. Um, where I'm getting to is, you know, coming from Atlanta, migrating to Wisconsin, coming out to San Diego, and essentially still having this breaking career, throughout that whole entire um, journey, right? Do you see, and maybe this is where you're naturally leading to the story, um, do you see like differences in regional areas in when it comes to the treatment of women in the scene or is it all just very like overarching? Like this is, 
this is how women are everywhere. It's like competitive here, it's competitive there, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I think um, I think the treatment of women is pretty mm-hmm. consistent across the United States because, um, and I say I say this a lot, like our our community of people in hip hop or people in breaking are people mm-hmm. who are in our larger society right we're not yeah. somehow a bubble oh, yeah. that's not part of that no, society and so when um you know the the habits or the biases that people learn because of the way that our society is structured in it's like white supremacy patriarchy, mm-hmm. patriarchy that we yeah. all like and it's all connected like it's not just the patriarchy yeah. it's the white supremacist patriarchy all together that acts on all of us and and so we when we're in our community still make decisions with that framework that we've been raised in and so i don't see like like you could talk to b-girls in texas you could talk to b-girls in seattle you could talk to b-girls in new york like we do talk we've had the same experiences (laughs) like it's you know i think what has changed is a couple of things um and this is I can I can round this back to where I was going with this too. Um, what has changed is that B girls have taken it upon themselves to start coming together and doing their own thing, rather than seeing each other as competition or somebody who needs to be like shoved to the side so that you can be like the only B girl in the room in the spotlight, right? Right. Um, now we have things like B girl city. I have so much mm-hmm. love for yes. baby girl. For, you DJ'd for putting there, right? that on i i have dj'd that event and i'm i'm so grateful every time that i i get to go do it because you know i i have strong feelings about how quote-unquote b-girl battles are done and that mm. event is the right way because it is by women doing something for women through women it's all it, we're just celebrating each other and coming together and it's it's this beautiful sisterhood vibe and like there's just so much so much joy and and sharing that happens in that space and it's not a sideshow and it's not a gimmick and it's not making us into the and it's not like you guys go over there and do your thing it like it is the thing like the Th- reason why the, everyone the is event. there yeah, the is whole event is for that yeah. and and shout if out to texas it, yes shout out to texas shout out to baby girl if you're going to do a b-girl battle in my opinion that's that's how it should be done. the blueprint is right there yeah yeah do your and research there's, and there's you know other groups who have been been doing similar things there's queens of hip-hop based out of Colorado. yes i've heard so many uh, good things about that yeah. i love i love their events as well you know and there's so many more and i you know even like in in mexico there's poder b girl which um i've actually been down what to it? dj several times Whoa. in mexico city um and so, so much love to them as well. Soul B is an amazing B girl, an amazing community Soul organizer, B. and I, I look up to her as well. Um, you know, and so all of us, like as as B girls, we've started to to say, you know what, like we don't need the B boys telling us like this is what it, this is what it means to be good, or this is what you have to do, or you need to fall right. in line and like come to these events and do these things this way. We can put on our own events. We can hire mm-hmm. ourselves as judges. We can hire yes. ourselves as DJs. Like, it blows my mind to see events that don't have a single woman in a position of power because Involved. you can fill yeah. an entire event with women. 
Like, yeah. there's no yes. excuse. Anybody wants to come at me and tell me, oh, well, I couldn't find one. Like, no. <laughs> you but, didn't look. <laughs> but yeah, so I think, you know, around the time that, that B-Girl City really got going and there was sort of, you know, across across the U.S. and in other parts of the world, there were B-Girls who were starting to, to come together. Um, my experience in in Wisconsin, when I got there, there were other B-Girls there including Ella, Katrina, mm-hmm. and Jade. And so I, um, I started sessioning with them. And it was the first time I had sessioned with women regularly. And it was amazing how Whoa. different I felt sessioning with, like, I just, I felt less judged. I felt less gawked at. I mm. felt less, like, you know, like if I wanted to roll around on the floor and try something stupid, there wasn't a whole bunch of people staring at me. Like I've right. been, I've right. been in That's practice spaces where like anytime I do a move, the entire room just like stops and stares at me. And if I like, like right. just attempt thing. something, like even if, if, if I attempt like a 90 and I don't spin at all and I just like fall down and fall on my face, like they applaud. And I'm like, why are you clapping mm. for me? Why are you even watching me? Like, right. Yeah. Thing. <laughs> like you don't need, you know? And so, so for me, like being able to to be in that space with them and, and feel what it was to have that kind of connection with people in the community for the first time. That was like, that was huge. And so, um, I was training with them in Wisconsin. Um, I moved to Chicago around the same time. Ella Katrina moved to Chicago. Um, Mm -hmm. and so we kept, we kept sessioning and there was another B girl. There were a bunch of B girls in Chicago. Um, shout out to the Chicago B girl scene. It's, it's always been very strong. Um, and so there was another B-girl who had started a B-girl session, um, at one of the practice spots there. And I, I lived pretty close to it, um, during part of my time in Chicago. And so I, I started going there a lot and it was just, again, it was just so nice because some of the other practice spots, like literally like everyone would stare at me the whole time. And I felt like I couldn't even work on anything new because you're right. just, you're being judged the entire like every moment of your movement and like that's fine like at a jam i go to a jam and i i you know like you expect some amount of judgment but like yeah, you can't right, open up and be creative and test things out in practice where you feel like like everyone is just going to like stare right uh, it's so weird but environment is everything is especially yeah. when it comes to developing in your art form if you don't feel comfortable creating and like essentially putting yourself in a vulnerable position to grow then why go to a session if you're just going to like box yourself into feeling, I guess, everybody's gaze while they're while you're breaking. I don't, I, I've never been in that, but I do. I can definitely feel what you're saying when it comes to like environment is everything. And if you don't feel comfortable or like sessions that feel overly competitive, like yeah. hey, we're just practicing. This is not a jam. Some people are like, oh, we've got to throw out the hardest things. And I'm like, OK, all right, I'm out. <laughs> this is good. This was fine. I'll stretch. But I yeah. totally feel you. Yes. So that was when I came to San Diego, I really missed having that in my life. Mm, and ooh. when I when I was first here, I didn't see a lot of B-girls at sessions. I didn't see a lot of B-girls at jams. And when I did see them, I'd go like running over and be like, hi, like I'm educate. Who are you? Like, where do you train? Um, <laughs> <laughs> and that was, you know, I ended up like through that getting um getting matched up with jess randomly at this battle at i want to say it was at studio effects maybe like some random mm. five on five at studio effects 
and <laughs> like it was like a couple it was me and her and i think maybe one other girl i think it was roro also roro was oh, there Roro. and so oh, the three wait. of us and then like two random dudes and like got like just like last minute squatted up together you know and that was how i met jess and so i started se- like after that battle i started sessioning with her all the time um and then we were talking like you know like maybe we could maybe we could make make a space here for anyone you know who's woman identifying mm-hmm. and um at the time i was also um going to queen bees for their bachata and salsa and zook classes um thanks wait to bachata John- and salsa and what zook zumba zook. oh zook 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 what is that you- i've never heard of that you should look this up. It's it's super super fun partner dance um, where you're really there's more um, more freestyling in it in terms of like mm. if you think about like bachata and salsa like a lot of the times like you're stepping on the same rhythm and that's how you stay yeah. together even if you're doing like mm-hmm. different things. But zook, um, you're communicating with your bodies in a in a in a way that you can actually freestyle musicality in Whoa. what it's it's amazing. Um, and so I'm. It's Z O O K Zook. Z O U K, I believe. Um, Zook. Yeah. Interesting. And so I started. Okay. I, I started learning that a little bit thanks to all of this was thanks to John Ross, who I met at Culture Shock at one of the the open floors, and he was like, "Come to this partner dance thing with me," and I was like, "All right." So I was going with him to that at Queen Bee's and uh got to know alma and i was just telling her like yeah you know i'd really love to find a place where where i could you know start these b-girl sessions she was like do it here i was like really she was like yeah and so you know it was just those connections and 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 you know being in the right place at the right time made that made that possible so uh jess and i started hosting hosting at queen bees and that's been you know every sunday until the pandemic basically wow and also <laughs> shout out to queen bees right now they're currently fundraising to yes. save their space and and it's a very like they're bringing a lot of different activities like you mentioned and this is not that this is like a big queen bee plug but uh they have been a staple venue for a lot of hip-hop events since i started coming into the scene um at first they were the home of three kings but very quickly after that it shifted. Three Kings kind of phased out, and then it was Fatal Sting. And that was like, that's what it was known for. Fatal Sting, you come here, and it's a completely different experience. But shout out to Queen Bees. Um, they've done a lot. And I've seen that they have a lot of unique events. So the fact that they had a Zook activity, a partner <laughs> dance, that I had no clue about does not surprise me. And now I, I kind of want to go on YouTube and just kind of look up what it is. Um, but shout out to Queen Bees. Hopefully their fundraiser is coming together. It was pretty attraction, right, last time I checked. Um, I think they're yes, really well. they're um, they are more than halfway to their goal and still have a couple weeks left. So, you know, but I'm definitely I'm for them. I mean, any any business right now that's struggling, especially ones that are focused on the arts, I'm really hoping that people find it in their heart to be able to support during their time of need because they've done so much for communities. For, I mean, you know, they they need the financial help now, so they've I'm sure they've done a lot of sacrificing as well for the community. So it's only fair that we give back. So shout out to Good yes. Vibe Tribe as well, to everybody who tuned into the Top 16 of Quarantine, Good Vibe Tribe. Uh, they were the ones that made that possible, and hopefully we see Good Vibe Tribe again in the future. I'm hoping. Uh, sorry, quick plug for small businesses everywhere. We, we had to no, make sure I love it. We need, that's what we need. 
that's what we need is is letting the community know like where the need is right now and and coming together and and addressing that and then you know when something else comes up we rally together and we we handle that because you know as like one person i can only do so much and as one person you can only do so much but together and with all of us like we have a lot of power and i think that's power numbers that's one of the the beautiful things about our 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 culture is that you know we do have this um these sort of the sort of shared values that we that we at least say mm-hmm. are like our our values right and if we all really live to those like we could be such a catalyst for change in the world like in in all of society you know addressing so many of the isms and the and the things that like we need to work on as a that was good i've never heard it the isms <laughs> that's good i'm taking that <laughs> Addressing the isms. But no, you're right. There's power in numbers. And especially when people are very invested. I think as a community, the arts community specifically, not just dance, not just breaking, um, we're all very invested in helping keeping each other afloat. And I've seen it a lot with people supporting uh, local clothing businesses, maybe small coffee shops, maybe um, just people that we're all interlinked in some way. Like someone, I'm a barista at a coffee shop and they let me dance there. And my friends see me dance there online and they come visit because... They want to support what I'm a part of, what I'm doing. That's kind of how it works. It's all just one big thread. But right now during a pandemic, which has been longer than I think anyone expected, um, especially these businesses that are relying on people being there physically, you know, I think it's important to support and to continue to show up and show out um, while they need us. Because eventually when things start getting back to normal, um, quote unquote, yeah, we're, we're going to be needing them. We're going to be needing spaces to have these events to reconnect. So it all flows and yes. uh, shout out to all the businesses where there's a lot we didn't cover, but Queen Bee's Good Vibe Tribe, uh, find one, find a local one, support it. They need it definitely right now. But we're coming back to this idea of you, Queen Bee's leadership, but also you said leading up to the pandemic, has, has that changed? Because I think right now that's the tough part, right? As, as leaders of the community, we find ways to kind of stay... Um, not relevant because that's not a good word, more like to stay in the loop and stay in these positions where we can continue to provide people with um, something, right? Because we're so used to being in the position of Mm. wanting to help, wanting to give back. And I know that you have uh, something coming up soon. This is kind of what I was trying to build up to. Um, As a community leader, what is the, what does this look, what does that hat look like for you during the Sure. I'll if take there the, are the not so things coming up and tell you that um, San Diego B Girl Sessions is partnering with uh, <laughs> Child of This Culture, the plug, Gorilla Tactics, uh, No Easy Props, and B Girl City to do a fundraiser to um, help Honduras. Um, there were two hurricanes that hit Honduras really badly at the end of 2020. So on top of dealing with the pandemic, um, on top of dealing with what they were already dealing with, which is, you know, a corrupt government that doesn't take care of its people um, and and rampant, uh, you know, control of of Mm -hmm. neighborhoods and territories by different gangs and coordination between those gangs and corrupt government officials and i mean all the way to the top the 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 brother of the current honduran president was was sentenced for narco trafficking in the united states like if you are not aware of that fact like in the u.s there was a trial in new york 
dude was was convicted what? of narco Wait, in the in the US the of the current president of the of the country of Honduras. Go Google that later if if you were not aware of the situation. Like there's there's a lot going on there. But so like on top of that, you know, they've been dealing with the pandemic and, and the inability to to, you know, have mm-hmm. what economy they had function normally. And then these two really terrible hurricanes slammed into the country, flooded a bunch of the neighborhoods, um, right. and a lot of the aid mm-hmm. is not making it to them in the right way because, again, corruption. Um, and so, and the government's like taking a lot of control of of what's happening to to corruption, like supplies yeah. and, and things that are coming at the border. Um, from what we understand from from people inside who are trying to receive those supplies, I've seen. Um, you know, somebody who I mm-hmm. who I know who does a lot of community work down there was like tweeting at one of the government officials trying to get them to let some supplies in through customs that had been sitting there for like more than a week. Because at mm-hmm. that point, that was the only way they could think to contact this person was over Twitter. <laughs> I was, you know, it's not. Yeah, it's. Um, and so there's uh, there's one hip hop nonprofit I mean, it's, in Honduras. It's funny, but it's not. Um, no, it's called, not. Yeah. Uh, warrior zulu nation honduras and um they are doing a lot of grassroots work in these communities that have been particularly devastated they're going into the different shelters and they're um bringing supplies and they're also bringing hip-hop through workshops to empower youth to be community leaders and help their communities rebuild and so um we are are trying to fundraise for them. We have that coming up. Um, we've the the dates are going to be the first the fir- in the first part of March, um, and so you can watch uh, you know San okay. Diego B Girl Sessions channels for information about that. Um, you can also watch Child of This Culture, Girl of the Tactics, Noisy Props, B Girl City, any of us that you feel like following. Um, you should be able to get the information <laughs> about how to All help. Of them. Um, and your donations will be tax deductible because it's all going through Child of This Culture, which is an official 501c3 here in the U.S. So um, that is also... Tax season is coming up, those write-offs. You know? um, and tax so it's, you know, it's really beautiful to me to, to be able to be part of, you know, a collective of women who are inspired, you know, by our 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 sort of sisterhood that we've forged through hip-hop to to help you know to to do this community work and and so many of the women who are involved in this are people who i look up to people who inspire me people who check me people who you know Mm, important very important yes check your friends it's it's out of love yes always like we've got to we've got to keep each other you know moving in the right they're looking out for you yes and so you know i just i'm I'm learning so much from them and, and look up so much to them. And I'm, I'm really excited that we're, we're able to do that um, right now. And, you know, I think like that's really, you know, what we, what we as a community need to work on doing more of is being able to, mm-hmm. to come together for, for different issues. Like I was saying, we have so much collective right. power you know when you look at at people who are involved in what we do and if we if we can build with each other on a level that's not just like 
here's my move. What move are you going to throw back? Right. If we can, if we can build with each other (laughs) about what's going on in our world and say like, this is the world we'd like to see. Let's move towards that change. Like um, there's so many people in our scene who are already doing that. And I don't, I don't want to like diminish any ounce of what they're doing at all. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think, you know, we need more of that. We need more people thinking on those wavelengths and 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 vibrating on that level yeah beyond the scope of what we immediately see and and there's you're saying it right here like this is the moment to um to do that we're in a pandemic and a lot of these other countries and a lot of these other communities need our help yes well and and it's important to come together even Um, you know but yeah, Even sorry, folks sorry, sorry, here, sorry. like, like you know, what you did to to try to to help Good Vibe Tribe, like that's that's a beautiful example. Um, and I think especially you know, with our with what we do and what we owe so much of what we do to being Black culture, like we also need to be looking for mm-hmm. ways specifically to to support the needs of Black people in this country, support the struggle for black liberation, you know, like be lifting up and, and, and listening to what, to what is needed. Like we don't need to come in and say, Mm -hmm. we think you need this. We're going to do this, but we need, because that does not work. Um, But but we need to to say like, I'm here, I'm ready. Like you need funding. I'm going to go get, I'm going to go figure out a way to get that for you. You know, like, um, you know, and, and again, shouts out to, to all the people who are already doing that. I know, you know, that's that's not a new thing in hip hop. But I think, you know, there's people who are very connected to that mindset. And there's people who are completely disconnected from that mindset. And, yeah, that's unfortunately, yeah, and I very think, true. You know, the more that we can be can be voices and reminders to bring people in and say, like, this is this is what this is about. And this is something that we need to support. Like, let's do this together. Um, like, that's that's only going to be good things, you know. Like, at the end of the day, like, if we can, if we can come together, that's that's what we need. Yeah, and I think you've you've kind of given everybody the the glimpse of what it is for you to be that leader voice and to be in positions to connect us as a community because I didn't. I wasn't entirely aware of how uh, interconnected the struggle was for Honduras. You know, the corruption with paired with the, you know, devastating natural disasters. Like, that's a lot. That's a lot for one country to, to be on right now. And for you to essentially connect us to that information to provide that awareness, but also to provide an opportunity for us to help and to be of some sort of assistance. Like, that's that's what a leader does. That's what a leader does. And you kind of just gave that you know that that glimpse of doing that for the community and even though it's not like necessarily directly you know necessarily you hosting the event but it's you providing that for the communities that are trying to create that outreach and to try to reach new places new new ears new eyes um doing that i think is very great and i think it just it's a testament to what you do and and you've done that with fatal sting before in the past um okay there's so much i want to cover here we're i'm trying not to go on a tangent but um just to kind of reflect on what i immediately know you for um there is a lot of uh differences i think where we see events necessarily in the the breaking scene a lot of people do things very differently um and sometimes for the good sometimes for the bad 
And um, but if we're talking about events specifically, what I've really appreciated about yours is that it seems to create uh, just its own energy. You know, the vibrations that come from your event are very unique. They're very unique and they bring a lot of people. And um, I think it reflects a lot on who you are as a person and how you approach the community and how you think about uh uh, the community events specifically. Um, one very cool note is that once you had a live band, I believe it was prelims that we had to dance to a live band. And that was mm-hmm. so, that was the hardest thing I've ever done as a b-boy. I was like, what is this? I don't know these tracks. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what they're playing. I'm finding it really tough. Um, but that's one of those things that I'm like, I would have never thought of that. I would have never thought of that. And that's why it's important to have people like you in positions where you can bring those ideas to these events. Um, so here's, I guess, to not to kind of keep it all in one loop, um, being a leader and being someone who provides different ideas, different ideas like that or different um, connections to other communities. How did that come to be? I know you, you're someone that has talked kind of about your dance experience and about your artistic journey. But culturally speaking, like what have been some of your influences that you've been able to bring back to our community and that have affected what you do as a leader? Oh, my gosh. Uh, you keep calling me a leader. It's it's so funny because I don't That's how necessarily I see think of. It's it's I I appreciate that, and I um you know I know that I do think like the things that you name that I do like I'm like yes okay I do throw events and I do that but like I don't I don't describe myself in mm. that way. I guess I I see a gap or I see something that's missing. Mm-hmm. And I think to myself, like, somebody should put make that thing. And then I'm like, I'll make it. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's, you know, like, I, and I think, you know, that's that if we like, again, if we all like do that, like how much better will our world be? That's Just true. If we all take the time to notice the gaps and, and do what we can to try and fill them in a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, like I can't pretend to like change the robot culture that some jams have come to have. Like, just gonna say say what it is. No, right? that is like, what it is. I'm, it is what it is. I I can't do anything about how those jams are done. Mm-hmm. I can throw a jam that is the kind of jam I would want to go to. There we go. And I was very lucky um, coming up in Atlanta with my crew, HBO crew they threw a lot of jams and Mm -hmm. and so i had a lot of uh, you know experience with them seeing like the the thoughts that they had about how to put a jam together and what was important and like so there was this one jam and actually i want to talk to them and see if i can like borrow this idea and bring it to san diego at some point there was this jam called rock or flock rock or flock okay and there was no battles Mm. no prizes Okay. The rule was, once you entered the door, if anybody called you out and you didn't answer the call out, you had to leave. You did not get your money back. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's wild. So it's just it's just a room full of ciphers and everybody's going in and everybody's like calling each other out and like just cause, you know it was just fun and like that sounds cool how did they enforce that by the way like were there's people I mean, watching those just, ciphers no, like... it, was, it was just self-enforced right like it's not like but that was that was the premise for the event right and so 
you know, and like, like, I think like I almost fainted. I like ciphered so hard that day. Like, <laughs> it was so much fun. Well, that's a <laughs> big contrast to events where people don't cipher at all. And it's just like, oh, you know, waiting for top 16 and then top like eight. The, the cipher times, like, and that's, you know, I feel so lucky that I started in a time where ciphers were still such a big part of of events yeah and and i think that's also like circling back for just a half second to what we were talking about at the beginning one of the things i really love about capoeira is that that cypher energy is still very present in a capoeira hoda mm. wait and a capoeira so, hoda hoda mm. uh-huh it's what you call the the circle okay that that you do capoeira in um and so uh that that energy is that energy is that truth that i was talking about right mm-hmm. like that's that's that truth and that realness is 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 what is shared and and felt and experienced in in a good cipher and you know keyword been, good cipher <laughs> right i've been in a lot of places where the ciphers are not good yes i've been in a lot way of too many where the ciphers are glorified practices <sighs> Um, and, and I've gotten, I've gotten like kind of picky. Like if I go to a jam and I'm not feeling it, like I'm not going to force myself to get down. You might just see me like standing around and sorry. Oh, that's the worst. Like like that's, you know, like I, I, I do what I, I do what, what moves me and what I feel. And so I, I wanted to bring that to, to, uh, you know, if I'm going to throw events, like I want that in my events you know i want that that Mm -hmm. feeling um and then as far as live music goes like what in atlanta like we used to go out to to see live local bands play all the time live and and live hip-hop shows all the time and we'd Mm -hmm. be getting down to like local mcs we'd be getting down to local funk bands and soul bands and and everything in between and like there were so many times where we had live music at our jams back in Atlanta and so that was a that was a very normal thing for me and so uh, Atlanta sounds like the place to be because a lot of these cool things that you're saying they're stemming from Atlanta people sleep on Atlanta but no Atlanta I think Atlanta is getting more on the map now and just just um like in in talking about like the art scene as like a larger thing but um Mm -hmm. but yeah atlanta atlanta scene back in the day was a dope a dope place to be and it's still a dope place to be i love i love that city it's still it's still my hometown you know (laughs) i shout out Um, to atlanta yes uh and so you know when i came out here um at one point i got a message from uh this guy who's a part of surefire soul ensemble um, his name's Tim. Shout out to Tim. Shout, and to shout to out Tim. to Surefire Soul Ensemble. And he messaged me and told me that their their band, or no, he messaged uh, San Diego B Boys and B Girls Facebook group. It wasn't even messaging me. He messaged mm. the group, I think, and was like, "Hey, you know, we have live funk music happening on Sundays in Balboa Park. Like, would love for some of you guys to drop by. Think you'd like our stuff." And I was like, "That sounds awesome." So I went. <laughs> and, and started going like regularly and, and getting to know them. And so then, you know, we asked them, we asked them to come play at, at Fatal Sting. Just, you know, like their, their music is dope. We get down to it. It's, it's so, it's so funky and it's, it's, it's perfect for, for getting down to. And um, we even like me and Nikki Q and a couple other folks were in a music video mm. for them that they shot at Balboa Whoa. Park at one point. Like, 
you know so it's just like all these things all these things overlap and like not all of the music that we break to is stuff that was made like forever ago like there's dope bands putting out stuff today that's that's still you know in line with that and that's Mm -hmm. something too that i really hope people are keeping in mind with this pandemic is that our artists need us right now very true 100 percent. you know band camp fridays is like the best thing like i'm I'm always like queuing up my cart. So on Bandcamp Friday, I can be like, I'll take all my money. Because <laughs> there's, there's so many dope musicians making music. And, yeah. and they don't have venues to like, to share it with us and get money from like playing live shows. Getting that's, booked, like, yeah. Ah, uh, you know, and like, I remember when uh, Brownout came to San Diego a couple Whoa. times. They came, they came as, uh, their alter their alter ego Brown Sabbath and then I think they also came just as Brown out at at Casba. Brown Sabbath is their like take on on metal. They Black, do Black like Sabbath, a Latin yeah. funk metal. You gotta listen to it. Okay. But, yeah. <laughs> so so yeah I, I you know me and, and San Diego B Girl sessions like we went and mm-hmm. it's just you know like we were we were getting down like in the corner of the casbah and like everybody else is just there to like you know kind of enjoy some music and like <laughs> you know there's all of us like down on the floor like the gross casbah floor you know cause i feel like not, anyone that goes to the casbah should just get used to seeing breakers there because there's it's been a place you know? but um but yeah so like i think it's i think it's so important for us like to go and support mm-hmm. and 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 give our energy to musicians who make the music for us right so right like you know i play a lot of brownout when i dj i love that band i've always loved that band uh you guys know like that's that's something you will definitely hear from me at some point during my set is at least one of their songs because i love them so much but um you know like like more more b-boys and b-girls and breakers should have been at that concert right very true yeah like i think instead of just being like oh when's the next competition like when's the next experience when's the next experience of like where i can i can you know build a connection with the humans around me through these things that we love to do and um and yeah so like that because it's all tied together it's all there you know we're all artists we're on the same scope i guess i don't know what this is if there's no video here but you know you get what i'm saying um the the hand swirling is the hand swirling yes i'm sure but yes and that's you know like we need we need that and Mm -hmm. we need to just like take that time and 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 enjoy it and uh so that's that's what i want to see and that's you know, like, and, and I, and I need to say, and I, I should have said this sooner, like Fatal Sting is not my jam. It's San Diego B-Girl Sessions jam. And we throw it as a collective and, you know, these, these details as, you know, the person in the collective who had the most experience throwing jams before we started throwing Fatal Sting. Mm-hmm. These are, these are details that I brought up to the group and said, this is what I think, what do you think? Mm-hmm. And they were down, right? Like, um these are not this is it's not like San Diego B Girl Sessions is like me, right? It's all of us. Like, right. It would not be we could not do Fatal Sting without our tamales. Very Carmen true. so good. Is so whom, good. who like we would not have our tamales without Carmen. Like that's her family recipe of Whoa. tamales that we are making. What you know, and we follow her instructions. I don't know how to make tamales <laughs> other than like she tells me do this, Kate, and I'm like, Okay. <laughs> 
Well, you that know? recipe is so good, by the way. Any, if you guys ever do that again, you have to, please. I, Shout I'm, outs to Carmen and yes. her tamales and, you know, so much love for her. But like, and, and, and yeah, so like, you know, if, if, if when we were first doing Fatal Sting and I was like, you know, we need to, we need to have a way to really like, you know, emphasize the cypher time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'd like to, uh, I'd like to maybe do a cypher prelims. And so then we talked about it together of like, is that a good idea? Is that not a good idea? What logistics mm-hmm. would work? What logistics wouldn't work? You know, so like it's a group, it's a group effort. And I think what Fatal Sting really does, and the thing too that maybe you're feeling when you come to it, is that that's what an event looks like when it's put on by a group of women. Mm, I love that. Yes. And you're and you're you don't feeling get that, very often. that energy, and you're yeah. feeling that difference of of the powerful feminine energy and the mm-hmm. divine feminine energy as opposed to masculine energy very true in in the details of how it's organized and and that only comes because because we are a collective putting this on together so this I'm is just, a quotable I have right to here say that <laughs> well also you through this event i have seen many talents that maybe i wouldn't have seen as soon for example tiff star she was someone that spun at one of your events. And I remember I was like, dude, she's playing bangers on ba- like this is nonstop good music, which is rare, especially when there's like a cypher period. Because I feel like I mean, I'm not a DJ myself, but I feel like some DJs play the throwaways during the cypher sometimes. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to hold on to this one for the battle, but whatever. I'm just going to play this song, and leave it on loop for eight minutes. But no, she was killing mm. it on it. And I remember looking up and I was like, who's spinning right now? I need to know for a future event. And uh, it was Tiffstar. It was Tiffstar. So in the Tiffstar is dope. Yeah, no. I, oh, my yeah. God. I had so much fun at that event. That was really good. And also, you do this thing where you give everybody hand-painted vinyls for making top eight, which is such a small detail. But it's like I've never felt so happy to be in top eight. Every time I go to your event, <laughs> I'm like, yes, I, I got smoked in the seven to smoke multiple times. But I made top eight, and that's it. That's all I needed. I have this cool collectible. I have them all in my closet. I have three, I believe. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, again, cannot take credit for this right. idea. This is something that I learned from Ella Katrina. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, shout out to her again and, and shout out to uh, Man of God as well. The two of them used to throw this battle in Wisconsin called BTL, Breaking the Law. Ooh, that's such a good um, name. Oh, Breaking yeah. the Law. And so um, it happened at the University of Wisconsin in Madison every year. And it was mm-hmm. this like huge, you know, huge thing. But by the time I got to Wisconsin, it was already, you know, like international qualifiers were happening for it. And like, it was a big jam, um, you know, and that's where like I met, um, I met a lot of people in my time in Atlanta doing jams with HBO. Mm-hmm. And then I met a lot of people in my time in Wisconsin you know, pitching in where I could to like Mm -hmm. pick people up from the airport for BTL and stuff like that. Um, You know, and so like being a side note to like the young kids out there, if you have friends throwing jams, volunteer to be the airport picker upper person, because that's how you meet all the people you want to go. (laughs) Like that's true. That's very true. Like it's an exhausting job, but you get to have conversations with like people that you never thought you would meet. It's like the coolest thing. Um, That's very true end of side note but so uh the last year that they did um breaking the law they were they were trying to figure out a different format 
um, to mm-hmm. to save on time a little bit because they'd had some some time issues the previous year with like what time they were ending and so they were like how do we how do we really um, sort of flip this and they were like well let's do a one on one and then they you know they were sort of talking through that and like well they don't just want to do a one on one so they ended up doing the um, the the cipher prelims for their one on one. In this really dope, and it was in a really dope space where they did the prelims, um, and they had uh, actually, I want to say this happened after the prelim, or no, is this the same year? I'm getting my BTLs mixed up because they all blurred together. <laughs> but they so also, <laughs> there, I lived, I lived in Wisconsin for a while, so I was at several. But so they did, they did the cipher prelims for the one-on-one, and it was like super fun. And so everybody who got picked to be in the seven to smoke. So mm-hmm. that pattern, and and we do credit that like we credit BTL like BTL is is who came up with this pattern of of doing the cipher prelims and then doing a seven to smoke. Mm-hmm. Um, they like everybody who made it to the seven to smoke got a golden ticket. Ooh, like uh, and, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And so that was really dope. And so and so we sort of were like inspired by that idea of of everybody who who made it to that final stage, like mm-hmm. you know, got something. And so then what we actually do is we, we paint, um, we paint records. And that too is something that I learned from Katrina from another event that we did as Godista's crew. Mm-hmm. Um, we did, uh, an event called new moons and it was for young B girls. And, and it was, it w- there was, a you know, like, a you know, two years and under of experience, like B girl battle and, and, uh, um, cool. and we had, again a cypher prelim and and the the older b-girls of the scene were each given some of these vinyl painted vinyl to -hmm. go around and give to the the b-girls who they were selecting for the different for the different battles so it was it was really cool you know to like like each b-girl would get something from like you know somebody that she looks up to and it's like kind of a special and inspiring inspiring moment and so and so we sort of combined those things from those from those two events, right? Where you're you're being given something from someone who like ha- is a voice of authority or a position of power in our scene. In our case, the judges, like each judge, like we cut the music, and each judge comes up and says, "I want to give this to that, this person." That's true. You make and, a moment out of that, which is important, right? It's very important because it would be totally different if the judge just like tapped you on the shoulder and was like, "I pick you," <laughs> secretly, right? like, "Yeah, here you go." <laughs> <laughs> right. And some some places do that, you know, and then they're like, all right, who made the seven to smoke? And everybody sort of comes trudging up and you're like, oh, OK, that person made it. Right. You know, no, but like yeah. we we do almost like an award ceremony before mm-hmm. we even really get get going to say, like, these these people out of the last two hours have been selected. Like we're going to show some love and shine and, and give them give them their dues and their and their respect for for having done that, because ciphering for two hours is it's I tough. Mean, it's exhausting. It's yeah, <laughs> it's super fun, but it's also like, and then to have to do a seven to smoke after that, right? Like it's, that part. It's such a stamina <laughs> test, and I love, yeah. I love that it's really pushing people to say like, what do you have in you? Mm-hmm. You know, and and you see that in in who wins the jam. It's like people who, who like, just like never like they 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 have so so many like reserves of like themselves to put onto the floor you know their training definitely shows off and that's i'm really glad that you mentioned that because i never really thought of it that way but now that you're kind of explaining the thought process 
it makes a lot of sense. Having the judges essentially give this honor to someone, and it could be someone that they really look up to. Like, um, who, the, the last one was, who was judging? It was logistics. It was, it was Logan Looney? Logan Looney and John? Was that the panel for the last one? Hmm. Yes, I think yes. so. Well, like Logan handing so. out a vinyl to someone yeah, and making a moment out of that. Because I know a lot of people look up to her, you know, even though she's, she's young. She's really, really good. And she's used her voice for so many good things. Um, but making a moment out of that is just such a cool thing because someone could be like, wow, like she picked me. I don't know why, but this is crazy. This is cool. And um, I know I definitely had that moment. I forgot who handed me mine. I think it was... Was it Eddie? Did you have Eddie on before? Eddie has judged for us a couple of times, yeah. Yeah. I think it was one of those. And then I remember feeling like, whoa, like I got picked by Eddie Styles. Oh my God. I got I ended up getting smoked, so I mean, <laughs> you have to see that. But that moment in itself was like it was a moment for me. And I mean, still to this day I have the vinyls in my closet. Part of my very small trophy case. Um, but it, it's very cool that you explained that thought process because I didn't think of it that way. But you do make a point of creating this special moment that people remember. Even if they, like, get zero points in the Seven of Smoke, you walk away with that, the vinyl. And I think you put your name on it, right? On the back to, to see who, like, who painted it? Who painted it, yeah. yeah. The, the artist who painted it. Because it's, it's San Diego Beagle Sessions. We make all of those ourselves. And mm-hmm. so um, some of us, like, I am not the most, like, skilled with the visual I think arts. I have yours. I think you painted <laughs> two sorry. of mine. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, but some some of the girls are, like, so incredible with it you know and and uh but yeah so we all we all like sign on the back like which which ones we made and and we sort of have like you know our little party of like making them together on my kitchen table usually (laughs) um and it's it's super fun so um so yeah it's it's a really nice detail and um you know and i think too like having something tangible like that that people can take home and put on their wall Mm -hmm. or or put in their trophy case or put you know like that's something they're going to remember yeah you know like winning a hundred bucks cash like okay cool like (laughs) that's blown that something nice for yourself this month or you know tomorrow (laughs) or like whatever uh but but you might not remember that in the way that you remember you know and i feel i feel really lucky personally that that you know two of the battles that i've won in my life like i got trophies for and i still have those like and they they sit on the speakers by my turntables in my room and um you know you have the is a denim jacket a trophy the one that you take with you to when you spin oh that's my crew jacket oh it's a crew jacket yeah because it says godistas on it so we painted we painted that together as a crew like uh, several of like everyone who was in the crew at the time that we did those jackets has one some of the oh, people who, who joined later don't have it but yeah so so we um and those again were were designed by Ella Katrina I think you're seeing a pattern yeah here. I'm seeing a pattern and she sounds like a really dope person I have to meet her she's one day. amazing I cannot say it enough um but yeah so so I bring I bring that jacket to rep my crew mm-hmm. okay that makes sense yes okay <laughs> I think the picture that I took of you of Coast to Coast, the jacket is right in front. Yes. I love that picture. Thank you for that picture. Yeah, no problem. That was a good picture. Yeah. Um, okay. So 
so many things. This podcast could go forever. Um, just to kind of tie it back, you know, to kind of stay within the structure. We have been in a hiatus. So if this feels very like everywhere, it's because I'm a little bit rusty. But it's OK. I think it's better that way. Natural. Um, now that we're kind of covering all the bases here and and I feel like we've only touched the tip of every iceberg that there is to cover when it comes to you as a person. But now that we've kind of touched on everything and just by the anecdotes you've been able to tell throughout this entire podcast, you can kind of tell that there is a variety of experiences that you've had that have kind of led you up to this moment to be the person that you are, right? Um, you have to, I think, as an artist and as just an individual that puts themselves in, in a community, in a space of art, in a space where you do experience a lot of highs and a lot of lows, are there any moments that particularly stand out to you that you would consider maybe pivotal to your journey or maybe like moments that you're really proud of, moments that maybe forged who you are today. Um, I think everybody has them and I don't want to box you in. So if there's anything that immediately comes to mind, I would love to know. Hmm. Pivotal moments. I would say there's a few. Okay. Um, so in, in terms of my, my breaking journey, I would say the first pivotal moment was uh a couple of years after i started um it was actually this month is also the anniversary of that moment and that is when my horse died your horse died i was 20 yeah so i grew up i grew up riding horses i grew up um working working on horse farms i started working on horse farms when i was nine i've basically been working since i was nine uh this was in atlanta to be able to yeah, in the in the in the suburbs. Um, okay, I was, okay. I, we, we lived in the city when I was born, and then we moved out to the suburbs after my sister was born. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, uh, I was like, you know, working on horse farms, and and so that I could learn how to ride. Um, and uh, eventually, you know, I I bought a horse, um, and she was she was my life. Like you know, like went through you know parents divorce and all kinds of other stuff and like that was that was my rock at the time you know and and not relating to to kids my age very well and not not being the cool kid in in school or you know like I had my horses and I had I had you know my jobs when I was like 16 or 17 I think I had three jobs to like be able to pay for having my horse like I I paid all of those bills like that was not something that was just handed to me at 16 and i'm i'm still you know like i'm i'm very proud of myself for like having you know having do, having done that yeah, but um i uh you know so i did i did a lot for her like i put a lot of energy into into that that life um and she unfortunately got injured she got kicked in her leg by another horse um and so i had to retire her um uh, and i couldn't ride her mm-hmm. anymore because it hurt her right. too much to have like the extra weight but but she was still you know she was still a happy horse um and she and i had a really special connection because before before i i met her um she had been kind of abused by her previous Mm. owners and so she when i first met her she was like really um skittish Mm -hmm. and kind of terrified of a lot of things um and so i had to just be like really patient with her and sort of let her freak out and be like i'm still here and it's okay and and so we had this like really really close connection Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, I, I retired her and, and found this place where she could live and just sort of be free in this like giant, you know, field. Um, 
and I, I went off to, to college. So I wasn't living super close to where she was, but I knew like she was happy and, you know, just kind of kicking it and being horse, right? Like <laughs> as horses do, so, <laughs> as horses do. Um, and then, uh, while I was in college, yeah, this was 2007. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 2007, February two. It was okay. So in towards the end of 2006, she got really sick. Okay. Um, and so I had to bring her to uh, a horse farm where I was going to school so I could take care mm-hmm. of her. And so then I added on a bunch of extra jobs to pay to have her there. And doing and college so at the same I was time? Like, and doing college and still training, you know, and taking care of her. And, um, and, so, then, and so then I was also um, throwing my first jam that february of 2007 Whoa. it was called rhythm factor rhythm um and that was that was through my through my university mm-hmm. and um she actually unfortunately um ended up having to having to be put down the day before the jam that timing is just rough um <laughs> <laughs> yeah well honestly it was a blessing because i was able to be okay. distracted i was able to be i was able to find comfort in mm-hmm. being in that space and and you know just focusing on the jam and getting through the jam and then you know the day after the jam i just like collapsed into grief for for weeks um, how old was she at that time and oh gosh um she was still she was still pretty young like it wasn't like an old age thing oh. or anything like that um horses have really sensitive stomachs Ooh, and okay. so um if they eat for example if if in the spring there's a whole bunch of green grass all of a sudden and if they eat too much of that without being used to it it can it can harm their systems in a way that causes permanent mm-hmm. damage um and that's what happened to her so um she had whatever whatever she ate was not something her system was ready for it it sent this sort of toxic shock through her system which caused um caused the cells in her hooves to disconnect from the things that hold them together and so basically if we didn't put her down her hooves were going to fall off and expose the bone that sounds rough Um, i i didn't i didn't know that was a thing but I've learned a lot this podcast, and <laughs> that's one of the rougher yeah. things I've learned on this podcast. <laughs> I've, I've lived, <laughs> I've lived a, a, a lot of different things, I guess. Um, but so, for me, like that that moment and that grief really like threw me into breaking in a way that I um, had not been before, mm-hmm. and so it. Um, like I think after that and, and with just like how I really found like how I was connecting emotionally with what I, with, with breaking and, and finding so much solace and, and comfort in breaking. And like, that was like, I, I think that in that time was when I actually became a B girl. Like I was breaking before that, but to me like that, that time and and what that brought out of me i think is when i i actually maybe could start to take on that that title because because there's a difference it's not just there is a difference and um so that was 
that was one of the big pivotal moments for me. Um, and I was thinking about that this morning too. And I was like, man, like, you know, this is the anniversary of all these things is this month. It's February a, is like a big a month then. Month this month. It is a big month. Um, and so then the, the other really pivotal thing that I would say is um, actually when I snapped my Achilles tendon when I was 23. What? Yeah. 2010. I was 23. You can do the math on how old I am if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was fresh out of college, had really terrible health insurance, snapped Oof. my Achilles tendon at a jam, uh, and, you know, hopped home on one, you know, hopped to my car on one leg. And one of my crewmates, like, helped carry me around a little bit. Um, five days later, finally gave in and went to the doctor because I realized it wasn't something that was going to get better on its own. I, like, could not walk. Uh, <laughs> oh, dogs. Hold on. It's okay. Girls. Shh. Hush, puppies. But yeah, so, um, so that like when that happened, I couldn't break for a year, you know, I had, I had the surgery, had my tendon put back together, uh, was put in a cast, then, uh, wore that for a while. Then I had this like RoboCop walking boot looking <laughs> thing for a the while. And then when I finally got my foot, like back in a sneaker it was like so shrunken because when you don't it's it's crazy like when you don't walk every day on mm -hmm. your feet they like narrow interesting it's the wild like if you've never if you've never like had an injury like that where you couldn't be on your foot for a really long period of time like it's so wild like what happens but yeah so like and like i had lost like so much muscle in my leg and so i had to to work to rebuild all of that to mm -hmm. even like walk again like a normal human mm-hmm <laughs> Um, because I couldn't, I couldn't walk very far because my, like my ankle would hurt my, it would get swollen. Um, and it took about a year before I could even like get down in a cipher a couple times. Mm. Well, for a lot um, of people, that's like a that career ending happen. injury, right? Like I've heard some really bad stories about like tearing your Achilles. You're going to have some fun editing. this. Part. Oh yeah. Or you can let people listen to my dogs, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just the surprise guests. <laughs> um, yeah, it is. You know, I've I've heard from a lot of people who um, decided to to slow down after mm -hmm. um, doing that. But I also know a lot of people who um, who successfully made it through and and are are back to breaking again. Um, I was really fortunate when uh, when I was still in the RoboCop boot. Um, and I went to Minnesota for a jam just to like to be there. And um, I was actually uh, vending shirts at the time for a, a, a company that I was was running back then that did um, online breaking workshops before live streaming technology was even like really ready to be doing that. Interesting. Um, so like pre-recorded? No, it was live. But it Whoa. just like but like the technology was not great for it yet. You know, like we didn't. <laughs> the we were using like video conference software that was really designed to have like the speaker in like a tiny box and have like the presentation and like the big box and there was no way to like flip them and so everybody was like <laughs> looking at this like tiny little box to like see what the person was doing 
<laughs> so it was kind of wild. But um, but yeah, back in the day we were doing that. Um, and so mm-hmm. I was I was vending shirts and like and just like visiting people and, and still trying to be a part of the scene. You know, even if I couldn't get down, I was still, you know, I, I went to Outbreak with my leg in a cast. If you watch the footage from Outbreak 2010, you will see people like signing my cast <laughs> through the trailer. Which the is, Easter I, egg. I we never knew we needed. And still like like it means so much to have like all those tags from like so many people. Um, but tangent anyway um (laughs) like that that injury i would say changed changed the course of my life i you know like uh it put me on a completely different path of like what i was doing Mm -hmm. um i ended up you know moving to wisconsin which set in motion eventually for me to end up here like if i hadn't left atlanta right after that injury happened like I don't know. I might still be there today. Right. You know? It's like, crazy how those I, those moments just like pivotal moments. There we go. That's what we're known for, right? So it's yeah. That's it's cool seeing that. Tying it all ties back. The whole this whole podcast has been one long thread where we kind of see everything <laughs> tying together. Well, that's how life works if you pay attention. That's true. It, that's think. true. If it's you, not every day that we get this you, on a podcast though, where it's all just kind of like <laughs> I love that. I don't know. Maybe it's just how my brain works. Like I have to think in like how things fit together. Otherwise it doesn't make sense to me. Like I mm. can't, I can't not have a thread. I don't that's, know. Maybe, maybe that's the writer in me. That's what the, I was about to know, say. The like, journalism is coming through right now. Yeah. It's just, it's got to make sense. Yeah, of course. I mean, <laughs> but that's... also like, like if you, you know, your your life is i mean we all have our own beliefs about like what life is and mm-hmm. why we're here and, and right what right is here or whatever but i think you know life is what you make it and if you look back at it you can make connections in what happened and you can be grateful for those connections and you can say okay i snapped my achilles tendon in 2010 and i'm really glad that happened because otherwise like this this and this wouldn't have happened right that's the stepping stones you know it's all connected that's that's life regardless of what you think about what life means and why we're here it's all connected in some weird way um yeah. okay this is oof this podcast has been so informative and I, it's funny how i said that too i was like i feel like this podcast is going to be really informative and here we are and i'm, I'm feeling informed <laughs> and i'm hoping everybody else is too when they listen to this podcast um but as we wind down because i know this podcast can go on so many different like paths from here on out but we have to we have to keep it concise for the people at home as we wind down um we do we do ask everybody that comes on this podcast the same question because i feel like this is where it all gets summed summed up you know um into just one collective overarching theme um for you as an artist or for you as an individual as a person um if you had to give one piece of advice to someone that would be Maybe looking to take the same paths that you have. Maybe looking to start something new for themselves. Maybe looking to break out of their comfort zone, do something different for their community. What would that piece of advice be? Hmm. I'm like trying to pick. Because <laughs> there's like... I mean, if I, if I were talking to my former self, like mm-hmm. there's so many things I would want me to know, but then I'm also like, maybe I needed to go on the experience of, of coming to know that. So I'm like, which things, which things are the things that like you need to be told and which things do you, are the things you need to find out, you know, like Ooh. that's, 
that's uh that's that's part like i think that's that's something to think about with like giving this kind of advice right it's like what do you what do you need to know um i wish i had learned um a couple of things when i was younger one mm-hmm. Um, how to shut up and listen. Ooh. I did learn how to do that, but I wish I had done it sooner. Um, and so if that's, that's not something uh, that you've put energy into, I would encourage you to, to marinate on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, another one is you can't do everything. You and I have had some conversations like independently yes. about, about that, right? Like, there are so many things that I love to do in this world. There's so many things that I want to do. There's so many, um, you know, causes and issues that I want to, to be in solidarity with and, and stand up for. And, and, mm-hmm. and we can't all, we can't individually do all the things Yeah. like as one person, like we have to, like, you're not going to do anything well if you spread yourself too thin and you're going to get That's burned true. out and you're going to be frustrated and uh and you're going to be exhausted and you're going to start like snapping at people that you don't mean to snap at you know and just like so yeah. many so many things come out of that um and I can double down on that advice for sure everybody at home <laughs> take take it from us we know <laughs> yeah you know and I think um I I think you know, saving time for yourself, saving downtime. I think that's something that especially like during this pandemic, I've really come to appreciate actually having a little bit of downtime, Mm -hmm. um, you know, where like I don't have to be doing anything and I can quite frankly just sit and literally not do anything. And I think it's like, I cannot remember the last time in my life that I took, you know, 10 minutes to just sit and be like, all right, I'm here. Like being present. And that's all I have to be. <laughs> yeah, man, being present you know? is is so hard. I mean, for me, I can speak for myself. I think that's something that I need to work on. And hearing this advice is just a soft reminder that like that is important to take those 10 minutes every day. Dang, um, this podcast is for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's for all of us. No, I think, I mean, I think, you know, tying back to what we were talking about before with the white supremacist patriarchy, mm-hmm. part of that implants in us this idea that we're only valuable if we are productive and we're only as valuable as what we produce. Ooh. And so I think especially as, as artists and creatives, you know, we have to be really careful with that because yeah. like, I mean, just as humans, we have to be really careful with that because that's not a healthy way to think. Like we are valuable because we are human beings. Right yeah and and anything that we produce or create is is separate from that like you just by existing you are valuable because you are a person and that's enough like you are enough i am enough you know and it's 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 really hard to say that like like to say that to myself like Mm -hmm. i am enough you know, like, because I, I get caught up and I still get caught up in that. Like, I need to do more. I need to, I need to get better. I need right. to, you know, and like, like, yes, self-growth is great. Great. I, I'm like all for self-growth. I'm all for like trying to, to improve ourselves, but in ways that are healthy. Right. Of course. Um, and that's, I think, 
something that I am figuring out later than I would have liked is what that healthy looks like. As I mentioned, I've gotten injured a lot because mm-hmm. I pushed myself too far. I've, you know, my my whole life since since at, at least high school, I've I've dealt with different mental health things like depression runs in my family. Mm-hmm. Um, at some point, anxiety jumped in there too. Like those are things that that I carry around with me, and I've I've learned a lot of coping strategies, you know, um, for them. But I think like all of that just gets exacerbated by, by this idea that like I have to do more because right. when you're doing, 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 you're not taking the time to take care of yourself and just saying like, what do I need? Recharging. Right now? Yeah. You need like, to recharge. Have I eaten today? When I... was the last time that I ate? When was the last time that I slept? When was the last time that I sat down and did absolutely nothing for 10 minutes? You know? And I, I think, I, I wish that I had known earlier in life mm-hmm. how important it is to check in with myself on those things and how often I need to be checking in with myself on those things right. and, and to be able to say, like, I am enough. I don't have to do all the things. And that's, I mean, that's still a struggle because it's so, it's so embedded in us that, like, that's how we have to be, right? But, There's a lot of unlearning um, that needs to happen to get to that point. Yes. A hundred percent. That's 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 something that I would definitely uh, definitely like to put out there in the world, both to hold me accountable to myself of saying mm-hmm. this, but also to like share with anybody else who who finds that helpful. <laughs> and I think that's a good that's a good piece of advice for any creatives out there, because I think a lot of the times we are kind of we are kind of always doing so much and um, productivity is both a blessing but it it gets to the point where it could feel like a curse because you feel like you always need to be productive so i'm glad you mentioned that i'm glad you put that out there and i'm glad you tied it back to a conversation we had a while ago because it is again a soft reminder for me um, but hopefully it's also a good reminder for everybody at home um so we've reached the climax the conclusion and now this is the point of the podcast where you get to plug whatever you want We've plugged so much already here, subtly, oh, not so subtly, but um, <laughs> this is where you get to do any shout outs, any plugs, any mm, anything. This is all you. This is all for you. This po- whole podcast has been about you, but this moment right here, that's all about self-promotion. So let us know where we could find you, where we could find your work, where we could find your upcoming projects. Um, yeah. So if you want to follow me on um, Instagram or Twitter, I'm at educate. Um, it's pretty funny. My, my journalism is all on because Twitter I use mostly for journalism. So if you want to keep track Uh of my journalism, it's still at B girl educate, which is, which is fun. (laughs) (laughs) I made my Twitter handle before I became a professional and I have, have left it that way. Um, you can follow San Diego B girl sessions on Facebook and Instagram at San Diego B girl sessions with an S at the end. Um, and then uh, Godistas, we also have, you know, on, on Facebook and Instagram, um, G-O-D-D-I-S-T-A-S. Um, and I would big, big shout out to, again, Ella Katrina and Girlilla Tactics, which is her baby. It's not something that, that I'm a part of, but I love to support them and, and see them getting mm-hmm. all the support and love. So please go check them out if you haven't already. They're doing really great work. Um I would also like to give shout outs to 
gosh, so many people. There's so many dope people in our scene um, who just like have have inspired me and and taught me. Um, big shout out to Doughboy back in Atlanta. He was one of the first people who taught me footwork. Um, big big the name roots. for for those of you who are are out that way. If you didn't have the the pleasure of meeting him, um, I hope you you look him up. He was. Um, he's still around, you know, but um, back then it was just like. Shout out to the dogs. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to my dogs. I love them dearly. Um, shout out to the the collective that, that we're doing for the Hip Hop Helps Honduras um, fundraiser and, and everybody who's a part of that. Child of this culture, Noisy Props, Girl of the Tactics, B-Girl City. Um, big, big love again to Poder B-Girl and Sol B down in Mexico City um, and everything that they're doing. Um, they recently had me on uh, Facebook Live to talk about sexual harassment in the breaking Ooh, scene. Uh, that's in a Spanish, big one. Which was an interesting challenge oh. for me. Um, oh, but okay. I, I, I speak Spanish, but, you know, the, the vocabulary words, like I had to look a few up before I went on and make sure I could, <laughs> could say the things I wanted to say. Um, and shout out to Marlene as well, who was who was a part of that and, and who is here in San Diego right now. Um, big inspiration as well. Um, and some of the, the different, or, you know, the different organizing work that's going on um, across the country and across the globe on that topic. That's a really big and important issue as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then shout out to Asia One and Rockefeller who are doing so much in the scene right now, uh, you know, with the United Hip Hop Vanguard and trying to um, particularly like refocus uh, our community on on again supporting the the you know the struggle for Black liberation and 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 paying homage to who we are indebted to for having this culture exist in the first place and and understanding mm-hmm. what what that means and and what our our roles are um, in that and and how to be you know how to be a participant who who gives back and doesn't just take you know like that's very important some people need to learn a little bit more about that yeah and there's and there's so many dope people out there who are who are doing the work to help us get there and so you know shout out to them um yeah and then big shout out again to jess my best friend uh who you know nothing nothing that i have done in san diego would exist if i hadn't met jess um, shout out to jess i i didn't know this is great that this is why we have you on the podcast because i didn't know that she was the <laughs> co-founder of san diego Bigro sessions so shout out to jess um kate wow and shout out Thank to you, you so much. shout out to you for all that you do in our scene and and you know break ng and and your your jams and all of the different like creative ideas and details that you bring in and the way that you keep things so community oriented. And it's so refreshing to see um, promoters coming up in the scene with that mentality that doesn't happen every day. And so I want to make sure to acknowledge and appreciate that fully. So thank you. Shout out to you for, for all that you do. Appreciate that. Thank you so much. Well, no, thank you. Thank you for coming on the podcast and finally getting this done. I feel, feel like we've talked about this for so long and uh, <laughs> it was a long time coming and it shows because we covered so much ground 
and yet it still feels like there's so much left to cover. But um, everybody knows where they can find you now. And uh, there's a lot more to be uncovered here. If you are a fan of what you heard on the podcast, if you would like to know more about what Kate does, you can follow her. We will tag her on everything associated with this podcast. And uh, also we will be sharing the same information that comes out for her upcoming project. Um, we want to make sure to encourage people to also uh, donate what they can, um, do their part to help Honduras during their tough time. And that's that's where I'm going to be focusing my energy when that comes out. Because uh, is it still happening the same way that we talked about? I don't yes. know if covered that on the podcast. I didn't, I didn't go into all the details. We haven't announced the details yet. And I don't want to get ahead. Okay. I don't want to get ahead of the collective. You know, like... Okay, 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 okay. We're going to be we're going to have more information coming soon about about the different ways in which you can participate and and get involved in in donating or or doing different activities that will that will um be a part of that fundraiser cool all right i don't want to be the, the spoiler so i will go ahead and wait till that information comes out but we'll definitely share it on the break ng page as well um, so thank you to everybody that has listened this far. Thank you to Kate for coming on the podcast and being an amazing guest. Um, I can't wait to go back and re-listen to this one because there's been a lot of good nuggets of wisdom and a lot of terms, people, and ideas that I would have to YouTube and Google after this podcast because <laughs> I have learned so much. Zook would be the first one. Um, all right, to so everybody listening at home and to Kate herself, um, thank you for coming on. Thank you for listening as long as you have and as always keep breaking new ground. All right. Peace.